What's up, guys? It's Saturday, April 25th, 2020-2020-2020. What's up? It's your pal Fritz, and this is another episode of FritzCast. You might have missed me last week. We didn't do an episode of FritzCast. Uh, Chris Spangle from We Are Libertarians interviewed me on his show, Paths to Libertarianism, where I got to horrendously explain how I became a libertarian. And <laughs> I say horrendously, I mean, you know, it, it was a great experience. I love being in, I love coming on other people's shows. I love talking about this political dialogue, political discourse. I think it's very important that we have these discussions. Excuse me while I adjust the microphone. I think it's very important that, that we have these discussions of things. It's just that, like, you know, I, I always go back. I listen to every episode I do, every interview I do. Which can be kind of mind-numbing at times. Just a little bit, believe it or not. And uh, so I went back and I listened to it and I felt like I, I, I shortchanged the guy, you know? I felt like I could have gone better into why I became a libertarian. And, and I'm going to provide the links to his YouTube interview uh, in, in the show notes here because it's still a good interview. It's it's over an hour long. We did end up talking a lot about coronavirus and COVID, um, which is the same thing. I don't know why I just repeated myself twice. But we did talk about coronavirus, COVID, the government response, some of the worldwide response, and some of how we're all reacting to it, which, you know, it's sad, but, but that's, that's life. This is what, this is what we got. We are, we, we are going to be talking about this a lot for the foreseeable future. And that's actually what, a little bit of what we're going to talk about today on the show. But um, just kind of consider this like an, an addendum to to my episode from We Are Libertarians, which I implore you to go watch. I put it in the uh, the Fritzcast full episodes on on the YouTube page. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, some of you might be watching, saying, "Hey, yesterday on Twitter you said you were going to go live." I'm working on it. Uh, I'm looking at um, Yardstream Hardcore right now and toying with the idea of. Uh, of becoming a uh, 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 paid subscriber, depending on what their stuff does, because they give me an opportunity to be uh, to, to to live stream the show. I think that's a that that'd be an excellent dynamic to to be able to be live with you guys, be able to have you guys chat, participate. You know, we can patch people in and, and do video and video and stuff. Especially for interviews, I've got a, a couple of people lined up who really want to come on the show and, and do interviews. Um, and we've had some great interviews too. Um, I'm looking at Yardstream as an option because it provides uh, the, the live streaming option, a, a recording studio, which uh, OBS is what I'm using right now. It's a, it's a recording studio, which is great, but Yardstream's all online. It's not uh, like I'm looking at live streaming the show because recording the show, putting it on the computer, and then uploading it, and then getting the audio from it to, to make it um, good for the podcast... It becomes a, a tedious effort almost, and I'm wondering, I want to try it out. I want to try out the live stream. I want to try out using Yardstream um, as, as a product to see if it kind of streamlines things, makes it makes it easier to do, uh, and makes it more sim- simplified because one of the biggest hang-ups is after I record the show, getting the audio, getting the video file uploaded to YouTube, putting the audio file in a program on my computer to get the audio out of it. Yardstream, I can download the audio directly not even worry about downloading the video to put it up on the podcast catchers for you audio listeners out there uh, because the show hasn't changed uh, even with video it, it just makes it more interesting more dynamic we can throw up videos we're going to throw something up in this 
area right here in a little bit. Um, web pages, YouTube videos, a couple things I want to go over. Uh, so those are like the ev evolutionary dynamics of the show. You know, this is how we pimp things out and make them more cool, more interesting. Just like how I need to work on my positioning because as you can see, my hand... I keep throwing my hands up. My hand's over here. I'm not in the middle of the screen and stuff. You know, semantics. Forget it. Who cares? But those are all things that I'm going to be working on uh, because you guys have reached out. Going on YouTube, I've opened myself up to a new audience. People have been reaching out. People have been enjoying it. People have been sharing that stuff, and I am appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, I think live streaming is just another dynamic where we can move out of these, like, you know, crafted, just, you know, sit down, edit kind of shows and be live to the people. It's like you're watching TV, but you're, but you, it's not on TV, but you can put it on TV. It's whatever. That being said, it's been about two weeks uh, since I've been able to address you guys directly. And really, if you want to be honest, three weeks, because I got lazy. <laughs> I got lazy two weeks ago and gave you a Best of Bernie Sanders episode, which ended up being like nearly two hours, which I forgot I had nearly two hours of Bernie Sanders footage. Or rather, podcast uh interviews if you will so that was the episode two weeks ago so it's been about three weeks since i've act since i've actually addressed you guys and what's going on in the world so let me give you the life update so far a lot of people do reach out and they say well how are you coping in in you know these covid times or as i like to call them these post -apo or these apocalyptic times uh because it's the end of the world but it's not it's a joke okay it's a joke i have a very dark sense of humor God forgive me. Uh, but a, a lot of people ask, you know, how are you coping? And day-to-day -day life is no different for me. This, this is what happens when you work in a field, uh, in a line of work that's essential. You're an essential employee. You still report. You still go to work. That that happens. Uh, what, what has changed in my day-to-day -day life is like if I go to the grocery store. If I go to the grocery store here in Delaware, now they started this about two weeks ago, uh, where they limit the number of people that are in the store physically. So they have people at the front door counting people, saying, hey, you know, don't go in yet and wait for the next person to come out. Things like that. Everybody's wearing masks. Those are like two big major changes that I've encountered um, in my day-to-day -day life. But other than that, it really hasn't shaken up. It, it, it'll hit me. It'll shake up. It shakes up when fleeting thoughts pop into my mind. Like when I think, you know what, it'd be really cool if we could go to main event, play some bowling, or hit up the arcade. Oh, wait, we can't. Um, it affects me because uh, just just, just, um, just yesterday and just yesterday and the day before, the NFL draft was a, a live virtual draft. Um, not a virtual draft, but, uh, you know, the draft used to be this big spectacle in front of a live audience and, and a big hullabaloo. All around it, and uh, it was all this digital online, you know, stuff with people on Zoom and stuff tuning in to see who the draft picks are, and and it was completely different vibe. It was weird to see that, but like talking about sports. Oh well, you know, it's not like you can shoot the breeze in small talk. Hey, did you catch the game last night? No, you didn't because there was no game last night. So uh, some things have changed. When I go to work now, I mean, I wear the same uniform, but I wear a mask uh, for for any time I'm interacting throughout my shift. Uh, but but other than that, the, the work is the same old, same old. 
so it's a little bit different going to the grocery store. It's not different stopping to get gas because, you know, I stop and get gas as I regularly normally would. Um, so it's weird, but then the, those, those things creep in. Oh, I want to go somewhere. Wait, I can't go somewhere. You know, I want to go to Best Buy and get this thing. Ah, I can't do that. Um, if, if I still want to go to Home Depot, I can. And we have made a couple of Home Depot trips. Uh, and I had to go, like, buy propane for my grill. Well, I went out and I bought propane for my grill, which, you know, normal experience. Completely normal experience. So, that being said, I know that there's a lot of people out there who can't say it like that. I mean, my wife is one of them. All her classes went from being on campus at University of Delaware to online, and it switched up the whole dynamic of our day-to-day and weekly routine. Um, that much did change. We, we had a routine in place where I would get up at a certain time. I would take over for watching our daughter, for, for Emmy, and my wife would leave. She would leave. I would be alone with the child. <laughs> Which is very, like, you know, it's it, having her here, still maybe she has to, you know, tune into a live stream class or work on her homework or whatever. Um, we were in this 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 routine of I take Emmy. Emmy knows she's going to be with me. She knows mom is going to go away. She knows mom will be back at, at some point. We were in that mix. And then, by the way, dudes, when you're alone with your kid, I mean, there's a whole different dynamic from your wife being in the next room and being able to go, here, I can't, I can't fix her. I don't know what's wrong. So, <laughs> not like that. But you get what I mean, though. Um, the fact that she's here and her classes are live streamed, even when I take the kid, it's not like I'm really alone, you know, like I was before. And that, that routine's out the window. That, that routine's gone. It's a new routine now. New new routine to do that. So that did change in, in day-to-day life. But it, that changed more dynamically for my wife because she doesn't go to campus. She doesn't physically attend these classes now. They're on Zoom, online, uh, live streaming, which the servers for, for streaming things is now, you know, overloaded depending on the day that you you try to, to do something uh, because the demand has gone up so much, so exponentially high from everybody doing it because what else are you going to do you're at home so you're hooked up to the internet that's you stream netflix hulu youtube uh, some people do live streams some people do twitch streams those are kind of minuscule though i mean i'm not in the boat of somebody who may have just lost their job been furloughed uh you know you know lost their livelihood there's people who i'm sure are very much on on the most uneasy feet of theirs uh, in a long, long time, and a lot of that is at uh, is at the hands of of government decisions and lockdowns. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm just saying, for update purposes, for me, not much has changed except you know minimally, minimally. I think of things like vacation is supposed to be coming up in June. We were going to be going to Texas and. Uh, for all intents and purposes, it looks like we're not going to be going to Texas. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. I had a beach trip in August that's probably out the window now, and I don't want to be petty and complain about those things being canceled, but those those are legit. I mean, anybody who says, oh, somebody's just going to be selfish complaining about what they can't do, that plays into a dynamic here. 
You know, I mean, people who are staying at home without a job right now, uh, some of them are freaking out because they don't know what they're going to do. They don't know what they're going to do because if rent comes due, if the mortgage comes due, if this bill comes due. And I know some people are going to play this game here and say, well, that's what, you know, government relief is for and all that. We'll talk about that too, okay? We'll talk about that. I feel very fortunate in this setting because... I still go to work. I still collect my paycheck. Virtually nothing has changed with the money flow for me and my wife, um, which is a blessing. It, it, it's a blessing. It's probably the first time in my life where I've sat back and I thought, you know, thank God I, I didn't, you know, ditch my job. Thank God I, I stayed and I worked hard and I got to where I got and I have this because it's here. I don't have to worry about that. I can't imagine where my mind would be right now if that was reversed. I can't contemplate that. In that too, um, I haven't been watching domestic news. I haven't been watching the United States, you know, domestic media news, um, mainstream media news, because it's all, what what is there to talk about other than COVID, other than another news update, uh, a press conference? uh, It's all COVID. And Getting all that same stuff every single day in your brain like that, it will drive you mad. I, I can't imagine somebody who who needs to pay attention to that information every day hasn't gone mad already just on that, just on that alone. Um, I, I haven't been watching domestic. I've been watching more foreign. I've been watching what's been going on in Europe and in other countries, and we'll get into that too. But one of the one of my escapes from, from it all is Emery. You know, she she is seven and a half months now. She's she's going to be pushing up on eight months uh, in May. A, a month from today, I turn uh, or let me stop. A month from now, we're going to be celebrating the first anniversary of my thirtieth birthday, which is nuts. But also, Emery's going to be eight months old. She just entered a, a leap to over the course of this past week. She's in her next uh, leap, which is the leap of categories and putting things uh, putting things into categories in her brain. Um, and leaps are always um, fun. We use air quotes for that because they're not fun. They're developmental stages for your kid. Um, they're mentally taxing uh, because they're learning new things and and. They're, the, the way that they think and feel emotionally and deal with that stuff changes dynamically. So, so like the past couple of days, she's been a fussball. And you know what, parents? You get to that point. Your kids are fussballs, and you want to rip your hair out. As you can see, I'm ahead of the game. It's a little joke. <laughs> I haven't had my hair since I was 23. Calm, your, calm yourselves down, new parents. You'll probably lose your hair on a more steadier approach or whatever. She's one of the saving graces. Even in a leap, she's she's a saving grace because I can immerse myself in, well, what's what's going on with her? How's her life changing dynamically? And what can I do as her parent to help her in this time of transition? Some people might look at that who don't have, you know, young children or haven't had young children and think that's kind of silly. Like, don't you just clothe and bathe the kid and, and that's about all you can do? <laughs> clothe, bathe, and feed a kid and clean them up, and, and especially at a young at the young stages, isn't that all you got to do? No, there's this whole big world of how you can play with them, certain toys, certain activities that you can help stimulate their growth. You know, you develop, you're developing them as a person. Don't screw it up because that falls on you. 
falls on you directly as the parents. It's very, like, if there's anything scarier in life to be facing, it should be being a parent and making sure that you're doing, you know, something along the lines of, of right, you know? But that's a saving grace. And, you know, my phone, actually, I tweeted this out the other day. I have an iPhone. Oh, no, he's got an iPhone. Android's better. Whatever. I'm not having, not having an Android-Apple debate right now. But uh, Apple... Your phone in your in your pictures, you know, it, it, sometimes it'll compile your pictures and video clips into these little like little goofy little sentimental movies, and it did that with with pictures of uh, pictures and a couple of video clips of me and Emery, and you know it sets it to very you know you know um, uh, emotional like plucking at your heartstrings music and all that, and I played it and I like you know you're probably sitting there this guy's big bearded badass with tats, um, you know yeah I I had to have a moment like to myself. Because it, it really did, like, it just touched me on a different level. Uh, and goddamn, like, in one sense it's scary. <laughs> in one sense it's scary that your phone can can parse your images like that and all that and do that. And in another sense it's kind of cool because I needed it. I needed to see this, this, you know, little minute and a half video clip just to remind me, you know... Arguing about COVID, arguing about left versus right dynamics, uh, you know, arguing about politics in general, arguing about why Joe Biden is a stupid old man with dementia, and Donald Trump's a stupid old man with dementia. Uh, while it's fun, while it is uh, intriguing, while it engages the mind and all that, you need a break from it. You do need a break from it. And I kind of consider the fact that for the last uh, two weeks, I haven't dived into this stuff for real, for real, like in my show, I, I've taken that as kind of therapeutic as well. Um, so, so for, for those of you who might have been like, you know, oh man, the last episode of Fritzcast was two weeks ago and it was like a retrospective look at Bernie Sanders and all that. Wasn't really a, a brand new episode per se. And then he goes off and I didn't even know he did an interview. You know, now you can catch up. Go check it out. We are libertarians. Chris Spangle. That's not a plug or promotion, but it is because they're cool. So check that out. It was a therapeutic little break. And so here we are now. And this and that is the update. That's the mind of Fritz and Fritzcast right now. So here we are. It's still quarantine times. It's still a global pandemic. We've had protests break out throughout the United States uh, for people calling for that charge back to normalcy because everything is, you know, all the projections were wrong, all the projections were fake, and this is a giant conspiracy theory because the government had to change the batteries and the birds. Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? You have not. Don't lie to me. That's what was going on. That's, you know, okay, Alex Jones. It's not some big government conspiracy. I talked about that on Chris Spangle's interview. You're going to love it um, when you check it out. Because the COVID, the COVID stuff, okay, look. It's hard to be objective right now. And, and I'd love to talk to one of my friends about this. And they brought up a very, very good point. We oftentimes are too caught up on being right or afraid of being wrong that we double down and and we try to you know we try to get our point across we try to make it so that we can't be challenged and it makes for a volatile environment when we're talking about something like COVID-19 and and how the world is supposed to cope and deal with these things it really is 
the the way that the news gets reported, the numbers, uh, the approach. Look, when COVID first came out, they said, you know, what what was the the, the estimates for for the United States was uh, worst case. Uh, they weren't worst case projections per se, but they were estimating that there could be over a million people that die from this, um, which is scary to hear. You, you you hear that a million people could drop from from a virus, and you start thinking like well, that's that's and that that's a pretty high number. That's that's a lot of people. America's three hundred and twenty five or three hundred twenty nine million people, and you're saying a whole uh, a million of them could just be wiped out like Thanos or something. That's that's, that's a little crazy. Uh, the, the estimates have changed over time. Um, uh, the the United States, I think, is somewhere near um, fifty thousand people that are dead. From this now, hold on. Clicking through, clicking through the coronavirus disease. There we go. Yep. Pull it up on the screen now. It's on my iPad. By the way, if you have Apple and you have like a newer iPad or whatever, you can do this thing called Sidecar. So instead of having dual monitors hook it up, you can hook up uh, your your display and add an extra display in an, in an iPad. And I'll I'll just I'll show it right here. Well, oh, it's locked. There it is. So what you're seeing up on the screen there is actually on this iPad, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you want to use it sidecar, you just hit a button and then boom, I can have a second screen over here. So this is the uh, this is the new cases of uh, coronavirus as provided by Google. Um, but if we go over here, the cases overview. If it wants to zoom in, there we go. Look at that. All right, so Delaware, where I'm from, we have a uh, 3,442 confirmed cases, 703 recovered. We have 100 deaths. All right, United States, uh, as you can see, 930,000 confirmed, 101,000 recovered, 52,546 uh, deaths from this. And then worldwide, we'll do United States and worldwide right there, uh, 2.84 million uh, 803,000 recovered and just under 200,000 deaths. Uh, so, I mean, you know, this has been a, a devastating disease. Uh, and, and to say otherwise is, is beyond me. If you want to try writing off 50,000, you know, deaths is not a big deal because 60,000 people die from the flu every year. I mean, it's 50,000. We're not even done dealing with it yet. So I, I, when people bring up that whole, you know, it's just the flu, uh, 60,000 people die from the flu every year and we have vaccines for it and all that. So it's, it's like another flu. Uh, that's, it's still pretty dynamic. It's still a pretty dynamic high number, but we're not even, that, that's not even the final number. That's not even the final number from dealing with this thing. And that's the hard thing about discussing COVID and, and a global pandemic is that these numbers change day to day. You know, and and we're going off of data streaming streaming in from day to day to day. It's really hard to to make arguments about this stuff right now. And one way that I want to point that out too, uh, somebody, you know, people bring up other nations, what other nations are doing. Uh, some nations haven't had a lockdown. Nations such as South Korea, South Korea, we actually talked about this like three weeks ago or whatever. South Korea is aggressive in their testing and contact tracing. 
so they don't have to be on a lockdown. Um, they can stay open, quarantine the sick people. There's still deaths associated with that. That's a, that's the unfortunate beast of of life and and sicknesses and viruses and all that. People still died, but they don't. They haven't had to shut down their economy. They've been able to keep things going, um, not at the same pace. What, what people? The other fallacy that comes in these arguments when people are talking about this is that uh, they say, "Oh, South Korea isn't in a lockdown. Sweden isn't in a lockdown." You know, those places. Why can't we be like those places? Why can't we just not have a lockdown? We can say South Korea and Sweden don't have lockdowns. They don't. They have a lot more testing. They are different populations. They're not 300 million people, all right? Neither of them are. And also, they're citizens. I, you know, I don't hate to say this one. I mean, I hate to say this one, but their citizens aren't big dummy heads. Um, Sweden, for example, came out, and their government echoed the talking points of every other government that went into a lockdown. Instead, Sweden said, all right, listen, we're not going to lock down, but you guys need to socially distance yourselves. You're going to have to change up business models. You're going to have to change up how you do things. Uh, you know, it, but this was before Easter. They said, you, you know, don't don't be going off on vacation homes and, and things like that. And it was somewhere near like 96 percent of, uh, of Swedeners, Swedes, whatever, what do we call them? Swedeners, Swedes. Ninety six percent drop. Uh, in their traveling over the course of Easter, uh, voluntarily, voluntarily, just their government came out and said, hey, you know, it's probably a bad idea. Don't do it. And they said, hey, you know what? Okay, because Sweden, unlike other nations, unlike Americans, can't trust, you know, they can trust their government. We we cannot trust our government. Um, and I can give you examples of that as well. I'm going to pull back up the display screen. Boop, there it is. So, look at these total cases. Like, you know, everybody's talking about the U.S. being the epicenter um, in terms of cases, which um, we are of known cases right there. 931,000 cases. 52,936 deaths. And then new deaths, this is being updated uh Consistently, the UK had uh, had or has a plus 813, plus 743 for the United States. Italy is still um, having some rough times. 415 new deaths. Spain, uh, Belgium, you can see the numbers there. 238. Mexico, 152. Netherlands, Turkey, Brazil, Russia, Ireland. But if we scroll down here, look, Germany only had 45 new deaths today, and I want to play something that uh, Chris Spangle shared from Angela Merkel, who has a PhD in quantum chemistry, I think it is, I didn't know she had a PhD, crazy, uh, and Sweden, plus 40 deaths, Sweden's actually down there uh, in new deaths, scrolling down, uh, not not in the top 10 in this list, also they have 18,000 cases, um, and they've had 2,192 deaths total. Their death, um, their death numbers don't seem uh, as bad as other nations. Like their curve, I don't know if this brings up the curve or not. 
ads. Look at the ads. I hate the ads. Total coronavirus cases in, in Sweden. It has gone on an upswing. Still. But the daily new cases, eh, you know. It's hard, it's hard because of testing availabilities. And like I said, these numbers change every day. So the active cases in Sweden right there. Total deaths. This dates back to, you know, February 15th when, you know, uh, coronavirus ain't a big deal. It's not anywhere. Oh, crap. We have a global pandemic. And then, whoosh, goes up. Daily new deaths in Sweden. Newly infected versus newly recovered. So the, the green is new recoveries. People who absolutely recover from COVID. And in new cases, they had some dips in there. Outcome of cases, recovery or death. Death rate is in yellow up here. Recovery rate is in green down here. So the latest update said this is a great world uh, worldometers.info or worldometers if you're a nerd. You can go on here, you can break it down by country. Uh, you can see all these different statistics come into play. Uh, but, you know, that's what I mean. And, and as we discuss things like the economic impacts, when people start talking about how are we going to slowly open the economy up, we can't even have a good discussion about that, not here in the United States at least anyway. Because online especially, this is where you guys have to start breaking away from Twitter and Facebook and all that. Online discussion of politics is usually the fringe people. It's usually the, the extreme progressives over here, the extreme you know libertarians over here. They're on the opposite ends of the spectrum. But as you can see, there's all this middle ground here. The people in the middle who, who you know... Don't believe uh, that we can be locked down forever like these people over here. And also don't believe in the vast conspiracies like, oh, 5G is causing this over here. <laughs> There's this whole in-between spot, which is, you know, I know it's crazy to talk about that, right? But as we talk about what can we do to, to slowly reopen the economy, some people say get back to normal. Uh, I'm of the school of thought that, that that's the wrong phrase to use. We shouldn't be using this phrase, go back to normal. It's going to be a little bit before full-blown normal comes back. You know, that's the other problem. People are so want just instant satisfaction. So uh, some people just want, you know, somebody to snap their fingers and it to be February 1st, 2020 again, where nobody really knows about this coronavirus stuff, at least not on a big public global level. Nobody, uh, we're all ignorantly going about our days not expecting a pandemic to come crashing in. And uh, I don't hate to tell you this. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen like that, at least anyway. Let me pull up this video from Chris Spangle from Angela Merkel. It's just, it's it's a good source. And I'm going to point you to, as I get ready, I'm getting ready to go into wrap-up mode and finish up this episode, believe it or not. <laughs> Somebody's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to go for another hour. Eh, maybe 15 minutes. Who knows? Uh, I want to play this clip from Angela Merkel, and then I'm going to point you in the direction of, of a couple different spots to actually look up, I think, good sources um, for debating this stuff. 
because um, sorry, I'm gonna look up. I want you. I want to point you to other sources. I'm not a. I'm not a genius. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, nobody out there thinks I'm a genius anyway. But I'm not an expert at some of this stuff. And even some of the sources I'm going to point you to aren't experts at this stuff. But they're experts in different fields, and it's going to help break down this 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 barrier of we can't have this argument, and we have to stay locked down forever. Most sensible people know. We're not going to be locked down forever. Most sensible people know that that in the coming weeks we're going to slowly start easing up restrictions and all that. This is where this Angela Merkel Merkel clip comes into play. So let's throw it up there. There it is. Let's play it. Um, we're going to have to pay attention to the subtitles uh, that are on this video. Die Kurve ist flacher geworden. Es bleibt nach wie vor The curve so has become flatter. Sein, it needs to be like this so it doesn't overtax our health system. Wir haben, uh, we have wir made model observations. We're now at about reproduction factor 1, so one person is infecting another person. I can only say that for one chain of infection if one person will infect another person. This is an average of one person infecting another person. If we get to the point where everybody infects 1.1 people, then by October, we will reach capacity level of our health system uh, with assumed numbers of, of intensive care beds. If we get it to 1.2 people, so everyone is infecting 20% more, out of 5 people, one infects 2 and the rest 1, then we will reach the limit of our health care system in July. Daran sehen Sie also, in welch kleinem Spielraum wir uns aufhalten. Und die ganze Entwicklung basiert darauf, dass wir davon ausgehen, dass wir eine Infektionszahl haben, die wir überblicken können, die wir nachverfolgen können und dass wir mehr Schutzkonzepte haben und durch die mehr Schutzkonzepte auch mehr Lockerungen machen können. Aber es ist ein dünnes Eis, wie Herr Tschentscher gesagt hat, oder eine fragile Situation oder ein, ein wirklich eine Situation, in der Vorsicht äh, das Gebot ist und nicht Übermut. So that, there's, there's two telling bits right there. One, overconfidence. We shouldn't shoot overconfidence into this thing because that could make this thing double back, make it worse. Something that people misconstrued from, um, I believe it was the CDC director, who said something along the lines of, you know, the second wave in in the wintertime could be worse than the COVID problem itself. And some people were like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that it's going to be more cases, more deaths and all that? What the CDC director had stated was that come wintertime, when flu season kicks back up, we are now not just dealing with flu season, we're, we're dealing with flu and COVID season. That's the new normal. Oh, well, you know, some people say, well, 60,000 people die of flu every year in, in the United States, you know, as it is, and that's even with a vaccine and all that, you know. Is that the new norm for COVID too? Like, do we develop a vaccine for COVID and we get that every year along with the flu as we're wondering how this is going to evolve? Is it going to evolve and transform into weakened strains or is it going to become stronger strains? What's it going to do? It's illogical to say 
that when the strain comes back around, along with flu, that we're not going to be in a, 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 a more difficult situation, especially when it comes to terms of, of beds and hospitals and all that. So those are, those are all part of the dynamics. That being said, I think we all know testing needs to be boosted up so that we can figure out who's got it, isolate those people, let them recover, you know, and then easing restrictions but not full stop. We can't snap our fingers and have it be February 1st again, okay? We can't hit fast forward and have it be a year from now when there's things like vaccines and treatments for this and all that, and everything's hunky-dory. We need to do a balance because here's the other thing, and I am, I am one of those people who will bring up the economic arguments. When somebody says that the economy can't stay shut down that long, you get the, the argument that typically happens is you just want people to die so that you could pad a billionaire's pockets. This is a big... It's hard to have the argument. It's hard to have the discussion even when the arguments become these shutdown arguments of, of uh, not only am I not going to listen to you, but I'm going to vilify you by saying you want all these people to die. I don't think anybody wants people to die. In fact, you can argue that the economic impact can cause people to die depending on how the government reacts uh, in this situation. Because we're talking about not just the American economy, the global economy. Um, the global economy can be affected and it's it's a tense situation that we're all facing uh, because we're not quite sure what happens uh, in that dynamic. So we have to be able to talk about how do restrictions get eased? What's the new normal? You know, how, how much, how much, you know, those are the things that have to come into play. You know, and that includes things like when things go, like when you can go back out to a restaurant and sit down, does that mean that the tables are, are scrunched up right next to each other? Does that mean that restaurant's going to have to space tables out, you know, and present more social distancing? Which, mind you, when we talk about the social distancing and things that the government did anyway, lockdowns or, or restrictions or quarantines, whatever you want to call it, it's not really a quarantine because quarantine is quarantining the sick people. That's what that word means. While we're having that discussion, um, it's, it's it, whatever you want to call it. When we ease the restrictions, it doesn't mean that things are back to normal as usual in the way that we perceived it, or at least the way people perceive the word normal. But it's hard to have those discussions. Because people want to shoot each other down, they don't want to hear the other side out. So I'm going to point you. Uh, I'm going to point you in the direction of uh, sources that I think are, are good to listen to in these times. So while I'm at it, we're gonna we're gonna do pause cuts now. Ready? All right. I shouldn't need to pause it from from this point out. This will be a good walk. We'll just throw up the screen. So one source I'm gonna point you to would be Reason on YouTube, which is right, I got it right here. The uh, the two sources, well, Reason has a lot of sources, actually, that has been up um, over the course of this, but, but if you want an interesting debate, Reason hosts the Soho Forum. They provide uh, two people 
arguing a, a, on a subject. So, uh, is it time to end the lockdowns? It's a brilliant episode. I haven't even finished it yet, um, but it's a good discussion about things, about opening the economy and how to save the economy from COVID-19. Those are two brilliant sources that I would uh, share with you and tell you to, to check out immediately uh, for... As you can see with the Soho debate, I'm not just presenting one side. I'm not presenting like, here's the libertarian side. Go listen to it because it's the right one. It's a debate. It's a discussion between two people with disagreeing points. But it'll help you. It'll help you get into different dynamics. Uh, we are libertarians. I'm pulling them up real quick too because um, they've had great shows. They've had great live streams. And these are also available in podcast form if you're not in the video. Uh, but especially the Brian Nichols show, I want to point out these two episodes. The Medical Response to COVID-19. And, well, not Amash versus Hornberger. That's, that's, that's for you more dynamic libertarian-like folks. But this episode of the Brian Nichols show... Uh, titled The Medical Response to COVID-19 with Dr. Kyle Varner is an amazing discussion with an actual doctor who is libertarian-leaning who has a great perspective on this, which I, I implore you to check out. And there's one other... There's one other video with doctors talking about COVID. Dr. Erickson, COVID-19 briefly. I'm not going to play anything from it. Um... Because I've actually watched this one twice. Uh, but this briefing with two doctors and the media and press asking questions has been um, another Dr. Erickson COVID-19 briefing. You can search that, 23 ABC News. Search that one. Because uh, it's a great source of information uh, in discussing you know, how to handle these situations. Just different perspectives and things too. And that's the background. For that, we're going to shut that off now. All right. So, guys, that does it for me for this week. Uh, I implore you to check out those sources, including the We Are Libertarians interview featuring yours truly. Thanks, Chris. It's for you guys at We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, that's going to do it for me for this week, though, because we could discuss it even more and more and more. I'm, I'm sensing that you want to break from it, you know? So, But those are some sources I think... The, that I pointed you in that, that can help you kind of look at this in a different light and kind of help you focus beyond uh, lockdown COVID times. How, how do we advance forward and progress forward from this? Uh, for anybody talking about how the government is, is, you know, how they trust in our government to help us, uh, the, uh, the only argument I can come up and say is $2.2 trillion spending bill that gave you a one-time check that had loads of money being abused because they had to go back and pass a $484 billion bill to fix the mistakes in the $2.2 trillion bill to help small businesses. The government's not helping you. It's really not. The government's really not helping you right now. In fact, you could be off worse after these two bills. So that that's something that... that if, if you're trusting in the government, I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know why. But 
besides that. Guys, that's going to do it for me uh, for this episode of FritzCast. Thank you for coming aboard and listening if you're brand new. Uh, for those of you podcast listeners, uh, the, the audio listeners, the OG gangsters of FritzCast, thanks for sticking it through thick and thin even in these new times where we're doing video and stuff, but you don't want to participate. So that's fine. Don't. I'm cool with it. Whatever. Uh, give this a like, a share if you liked it. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, and check out some of my friends too. Brian Nichols of the Brian Nichols Show, the We Are Libertarians Network, uh, with their fearless leader Chris Spangle. There's so many other people I could talk about and mention. Um, oh, Freckles and Brit, the Freckles and Brit Show. Um, they just did. They were just part of a big old Libertarian Ladies Roundtable that included uh. Uh, Violet Irwin and uh, Petite Nikoko and Jessica Green. Am I forgetting anybody there? I hope not. I hope I'm not forgetting, but they just did a big mega show that was like three hours last night, a live stream uh, that I'm getting ready to check out myself, but I implore you to check it out. I shared it on Twitter the other day as it was happening live, uh, but you can go back You can go back and check it out if you missed it uh, or if you're just extremely busy like I am and can't tap, tap into live streams all the time. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of FritzCast. I can't guarantee whether it will be a guest or not. Uh, I do have something in the works with at least two to three different individuals. And uh, I might or might not be on uh, people's radars for interviews myself, so it's trying to figure that out. Plus, uh, May's a little bit busy uh, because my wife's getting ready for finals, so I have to step up do more dad stuff and uh and and take over so there might be some road bumps in there we'll figure it out though um and we'll see if we move forward with the live stream too so keep your eyes peeled for that and remember i love you guys and i'll see you next week